This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona. Ancient faith for today's world. November 28, 2021. Luke 19, 28 to 40. Disney did a live action remake of a popular film, which seemed to be something that a lot of parents and children enjoyed. It was of the, the movie Aladdin. And there's one scene that is quite memorable in which the the hero of the movie is parading into a city and he's portraying himself to be something that he's not. He wants to show himself to be a grand and wealthy prince from a famous place. So as he parades in, there's twirling coordinated dancers in ornate clothing. There are animals like ostriches running around and other exciting animals. The chorus is sounding up and there he is parading in with a grand smile on top of an elephant. The film really brings you in with its music and with the, the grand display to the excitement of the scene. So everyone is supposed to be impressed when they see this man who was once a, a beggar, really a thief, now on display as a, a grand prince. Only the princess in that city was not so impressed. And apparently neither were the critics or many of the critics who watched the film I guess it's hard to make a grand entrance that will impress everybody. What about God's grand entrance? Does he impress everyone? Today we begin a series looking at when the Lord comes near. And so for the, the four Sundays in Advent, we'll be looking at what happens when the Lord comes near. And today we'll begin by looking at what happens when the Lord comes near as he puts on an entrance. And we'll see the entrance of the Lord is not something, uh, not a parade of grand display like we'd expect. No, it's quite the opposite. When the Lord comes near, he humbles himself. What we see in Luke chapter 19 is that Jesus has planned his grand entrance. Now, this is really a pivotal point in Jesus' ministry. When he is about to enter into the city of Jerusalem, he's been doing ministry for <clears throat> about three years now. And it's well known that Jesus has made some critics, and more than that, enemies, who want him dead. The Sanhedrin, the ruling body over the Jewish people, centered in Jerusalem, has decreed that if anyone is to find Jesus, they are to report him. And it's well known that they want him arrested and killed. Jesus' disciples knew it. Many of the followers of Christ knew it. And so a lot of people were wondering if Jesus would even go to Jerusalem. So when Jesus made his plans to enter the city for the Passover, as the Passover drew near, people were expectantly wondering, would he come? This was going to be a grand display. Jesus defying those who opposed him. Jesus boldly coming near and entering his city for his people. So he planned it out. The parade staging, as it were, is something that Luke presents with a lot of detail. And it's clear that Luke wants us to see that Jesus has this all presented and planned out ahead of time. As Jesus approaches Jerusalem, he's maybe about an hour's march away. He sends two of his disciples to go on ahead to a nearby village. 
And Luke mentions the details there as he tells them that they're to find a donkey, a, a colt, the foal of a donkey, one that's never been ridden, and they're to untie it and bring it to him. And even if the owners might ask, what are you doing? They simply need to say the, the Lord has need of it. Now, some people say, well, this maybe is just Luke showing that Jesus was doing something that he'd planned ahead and Jesus just a well-organized person. But I don't really see it that way. That's not the way I understand and see Jesus, and that's not the way I understand and see Luke. Luke doesn't record or mention details simply to help us to see how great a person is that Jesus is at organizing. No, Luke is setting out to help us to see Jesus is no ordinary man. And that's not the Jesus I know. One who simply has to make plans ahead of time and hope they fall into place. The Jesus I know is the one who knows all things. The Jesus who knows the thoughts and hearts of the minds of people. The Jesus who knows what only God can know, the future. The Jesus who can do what only God can. Pull off this type of a presentation down to the very details, because he knows what is going to come. Jesus has it planned out. Because Jesus is not just the greatest man who ever lived. He is the true Son of God, who knows all things. And he's working to fulfill a long-foretold prophecy. The account goes on here. As the disciples find Jesus's Approaching Jerusalem, the crowds begin to gather. They have known Jesus. They've heard about the miracles. And so they go out to see him and to welcome him. And the crowds that are welcoming him begin to swell in numbers. And then the people, the crowd of disciples, began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen, Luke says. They were saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory on the highest. Basically saying, Jesus, praise to you because you are the fulfillment of scripture. You are the king of the throne of David who is said to come and rule over all the world. You are the Messiah. So if this is the, the parade that Jesus had planned for those who would welcome him, that's the type of entrance he designed? Riding in on a borrowed young donkey? Couldn't Jesus have done more? You might think so. After all, when the producers of the Aladdin film wanted to have some animal like an ostrich or even a tiger or a monkey, they were able to have them. And they didn't have to bring in the real thing or train any animals. They could just use computer-generated graphics. Being one of the largest movie production companies in the world, they could just do it. And people still ask the question or try to reason out, is that a real tiger or a real monkey? And I can't even figure out if it's a real elephant or not. They just do it. Couldn't Jesus have made his entrance whatever he wanted? Couldn't he have had his disciples marching each of them on an elephant? Or couldn't he have himself called on the Lord of the horses so he could march on with a triumphant stride? With maybe even himself riding on something like a ferocious Tyrannosaurus Rex. Here is your king. As the son of God, he could have put on any display that he wanted. But this is what he chose. 
he chose to come and display himself as the Lord coming near, humbling himself. That's because Jesus didn't come to be simply the greatest man who ever lived. He came to be the greatest man who ever died. This was all part of his plan. Jesus had told his disciples not much long beforehand, Look, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written through the prophets about the Son of Man will will be accomplished. Indeed, he will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, mistreat him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. It says, they did not understand any of these things. What he said was hidden from them, and they did not understand what was said. But we know why he said this. This was all part of God's plan. His plan to come to this world in lowliness, to humble himself as he came near. He humbled himself to face all these things. He knew the plan. The plan of coming in lowliness to be received by that crowd. A plan which would start with that parade and would end with his coronation of the crown of thorns being placed on his head and the soldiers gathering around him, mocking him as they said, Hail, King of the Jews, crucifying him. His plan was to come in such lowliness to take our place. When the crowd said, Hosanna, blessed in the highest, blessed is the king coming in the name of the Lord. They were praising Jesus as the fulfillment of the one who had come to be our king. Our king who had set us free from sin and death by taking our death and our sin upon himself. That's the extent of the humility and the lowliness that he came to be as our king. And still, when Jesus comes, he comes in such lowliness. He always has. Maybe you can remember the time in the Old Testament. Sure, Jesus and the Lord came with great display of fire and power. But he also came in lowliness. Remember the time when Elijah was strengthened by God and he ran and he fled and he hid in a cave? The Lord would come with his presence near And there was a a great wind, a rushing of wind, a crushing of rocks. But it says the Lord was not in the wind. There was a, a great earthquake. And once again, the Lord was not in the earthquake. There was a great fire. And you can imagine Elijah cowering in his cave. But the Lord was not in the fire. Then Elijah heard the sound of a gentle whisper. He covered his face with his cloak and went out to the entrance of the cave. And with a gentle whisper, the Lord spoke to him. You see, this is how God comes to sinners. He comes to us and he lowers himself in grace to come as our Savior God with good news. Our King still comes to us in lowliness. He comes to us in the gospel, in word and sacrament. He comes as a mother is afraid when her child is sick and wondering, is God with us? 
In his word, he comes softly and says, do not be afraid. I'm with you always. And whoever has been baptized into Christ is clothed with Christ. And he comes to help the one who has recently lost a loved one and tells them, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And with his gospel, he removes our fears. You know, I heard a story this week of someone who's facing a lot of uncertainty. Their, their wife is going to die. She's running out of breath. And it's clear that her time is short. But even to them, God comes. He comes with his gospel and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Do not be afraid. I have overcome. He comes still in lowliness as his people cry, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As he's present with the bread and the wine and the sacrament. God comes near. It seems like such a lowly way to come and the, the parade doesn't seem so grand. But that's how God comes. He humbles himself and in grace rescues us, his people, who have faith and trust in him. We turn aside from the evils of the sin of this world and the pomp and the display and all the grandeur and look to him, the one who came in lowliness. You know, Jesus could have taken a cue from the scene of his birth and had the, all the angels of heaven declare his coming, but this is what he chose. His people would praise him. And still today, when the king comes in lowliness, his people praise him. Well, back when he came to his parade in Jerusalem, he wasn't received so great by those who were around. The Pharisees said, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Do you hear what they're saying? They're proclaiming you as the Messiah, you, lowly Jesus. And still today, there'll be those who will try to put down the proclamation of the gospel and the praises of Christ. You'll hear those who say, how can you rejoice that he's bodily present? That in a special sacramental way, you have his body and blood in the sacrament. How can you rejoice and say that God is near you where just two or three are gathered in his name? And they'll downplay the, the use of Christmas songs and carols on the radio or, or songs about Christ and say, we've moved past that. We've moved it beyond it to holiday cheer and the spirit of giving. But God's people will praise the coming of Christ in lowliness at his first coming coming of Christ in lowliness with his gospel still today in word and sacrament because they know he will come again. And when he comes again, we know God knows how to put on a show. He knows how to put on a grand display and a parade. And the living Jesus, who just as he planned, rose from death, will come again in glory. Jesus told those who wanted to silence his disciples, I tell you, if these people would be silent, the stones would cry out. In other words, God has a plan that he will be praised by his people. And this world cannot stop it. They cannot silence the praises of those who trust in Christ, who praise the lowly, humble, coming Savior today. God's people will cry out in praise. And when he comes again in glory, we will praise him as he puts on the grandest display ever, 
coming with all the angels and all the saints and all believers, honoring him as king. Until then, we join with the hymn writer. We join in that, that Advent hymn which says, As angels joyed with one accord upon the advent of our Lord, let us gladly praise the name of him who from the Father came. He came, not clothed in majesty nor power that suits his deity. In lowly state he walked till he, in dying, set us captives free. When the Lord comes near, he humbles himself so that we may praise him. 